nor do they realize that they have a role to play in it as members of the body of Christ. So we want to always uh, be in step with God, be on time with God, uh, be in uh, cooperation and agreement with God's plan in the earth. And in that way, your life goes better. Amen. You, you're prepared for everything. You're equipped for everything. Uh, you'll, when you give an account to God for the time you spent in the earth, uh, you'll give a good accounting for what you did with the time that he gave you. So it's always good to understand what God's doing. Uh, you know, I know many people, you know, had used that phrase in this season, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But it's good to know what times and seasons we're living in. And I believe we're living in a time of advancement of his kingdom and advancement of his glory into the earth. Why is that important? Why is his glory advancing in the earth so important? I think it's because his glory is his presence. If we believe that the Lord is going to return to the earth for a bride that's that's without spot or wrinkle, and we have to yield more to him, allow him to have more control in our lives, more leadership in our lives, uh, because the wrinkles and the spots come when we resist him. Amen. Those are signs of resistance, things that are blemishes, uh, the flesh, uh, cravings of the flesh and dictates of the flesh are all spots and blemishes in our garment. And so we want to always stay unspotted. And that what that means is that we must always yield to God because he is the one who cleanses and purifies us. He's the one who keeps us prepared and keeps us on the alert. And ready to do his will. So I think it's it's most fitting that we understand what God's doing in the earth. And, and that's one of the reasons I chose this book, Awake and Put on Strength. It, it, it is time for the church to get up out of her complacency and get up out of her compromise with the world. And all of the things that we have done in the past that, that don't avail the kingdom anything. I think it's time. It's God's hour. You know, he's done so much for us. I don't think there's anything that God can do that would impress me more than what he's already done in my life. Personally, uh, I'm not hungering and craving for anything. You know what I'm saying? Not anything this world offers, but I do crave the things of, of the kingdom of God, more of his majesty, more people to know who he really is. And what a joy it is to serve him. What an, what a, um, an honor it is to serve God. It, it's not a cramp in your plans. You know, if, if he doesn't help you, you don't have plans anyway. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, if he really was to take the cancel pen out, you know, a lot of our little, little nonsense would, would play out real quick. But he's so merciful and so loving. He wants us to learn how to love him. Amen. He gives us time to learn how to love him. And that's the wonderful thing about God. Uh, and, and he wants us to respond quickly to him. Amen. I know when, when we want something, we want him to respond quickly to us. And he wants us to respond quickly to him. So to awake and put on strength means to, you know, get up out of your slumber, like snap out of it and realize who you are. And and come in face to face with God and, and he's the great mirror and it's in the mirror of the word that we find out really who we are and what we are to be doing in this earth at this time. And so the more we're in the word, the more we understand prophetically uh, what the church is about these days, I think the more we can be blessed and the more we can be in step with what God is doing. Uh, always keep up with your prayer assignment. Don't ever let that slip. Uh, don't be casual. See, awake and put on strength means to snap out of that complacent attitude, the game playing you do with your prayer partner and, you know, putting it off. And I called you the last time you need to call me sometimes, you know, grow up and put away those toys and, and start understanding how important it is to undertake your assignment for God. Amen. 
We want things to happen rapidly. We want things to happen on schedule and on time. We don't want to be waiting forever. And the same thing with what you sow, you reap. If you sow on time with God, he'll sow on time with you. Trust me. You can trust God in these things. And so in the measure you give, it's given back to you in everything that you do. So be uh, diligent about doing the things that God's put into your life that he wants you to accomplish and and just always be there uh, to to be quick to respond when God calls. So it's a good habit to get into. So awake and put on strength. We're on page 51 and uh, it says we are fully equipped. And I think that's so important to, to know. Fully equipped for what? For the work that God has assigned for you to do. Not fully equipped to go out and do what you think you should be doing. But you're fully equipped to uh, do the things that God has assigned you to do. It says here, Hebrews 13, uh, 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace, who is the author and the giver of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood sealed and ratified the everlasting covenant agreement, strengthen, complete, and perfect, and make you what you ought to be, and equip you with everything good that you may carry out his will. So underline his will if you don't have it underlined already. You're equipped to carry out his will, not your own. Uh, you know, you can't take God's uh, spiritual weapons and go use them for your own. You know, you can't take the authority to, to bind and loose and go rob a bank. You understand what I'm saying? You, you, you have to do God's will with these things. And, and, uh, you know, it's good that we start out small. You start out doing the things that are in your, your immediate vicinity. Uh, be faithful with your family members. Uh, be faithful with your children and with your, uh, parents and cousins. Uh, there's so many people, uh, that your, your faith can touch for the good and for God's kingdom. You never know who's going to respond and in what magnitude they're going to respond to God. I think about some of the people that uh, did great things in God. Billy Graham talks about uh, him being converted. They, he and I think some friends of his were making fun of Christians or something like that and wound up going to an evangelistic meeting and he got saved there. And uh, who never, nobody would have thought that he would turn out to be Billy Graham, the Billy Graham that we know. And so in each person is the, the calling of God that is yet, yet to be revealed. And that's the wonderful thing about evangelism and soul winning and uh, working for God. You just never know what that person's going to turn out to be. Uh, but you do know that you can, you can, uh, carry out God's will as far as soul winning and things of that nature are concerned. Just be attentive to do the will of God. And it says here, while he himself works in you and accomplishes that which is pleasing in his sight. It's good to find out what's pleasing to God and do those things, do them first and be diligent in doing them. Amen. Find out what things God, where he's with you. What, what, what do you do that you can always count on him blessing you to do it? What do you do that, that you can always feel his peace when you do it, what do you do that pleases God about uh, how you spend your time, how you spend your day? Learn how to slow it down a little bit, not plan so much and not push so much stuff on your plate, you know, and and allow God to fill your time up and fill up your uh, hours and fill up your days. And, and you'll find that life is, number one, less hectic, more enjoyable. And you get this sense of satisfaction that only pleasing God can bring. You know, it, it just, it's, it's a different life to live, uh, to live to please God. So it says that do the things that are pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. This is not through any works of your own. 
You don't have to try and work real hard to do what God wants you to do. You just have to yield to his spirit. You have to know what what he expects from you. He expects you to be a good witness for him. You see somebody hurting, you offer to pray for him. Amen. You see somebody confused or lost or something like that, you offer to pray for him. Give him words of comfort. Sometimes it's just an encouraging word that we need to give uh, a stranger or one another that can take them to the next place that they needed to go. You don't need to drop everything and start praying in tongues real loud and hubrabashidamaha, you know what I'm saying? And and, um, just learn how to listen uh, to the voice of the Holy Spirit and and humble yourself and just say, God, how can I uh, crucify my flesh to serve you? Uh, where this person is concerned. Amen. So, so it's, it's good to understand how to do the things that are pleasing in his sight. To whom be the glory forever and ever to all the ages of ages. Amen. So be it. So <clears throat> it says here, even if we don't know the situations we're going to be involved in, we can be confident knowing that we will know what to do because we are already armed. Now, you need to understand that God will not give you something to do that is beyond your pay grade. It's above your capacity. Amen. So just learn how to stay in your grade. Amen. There are things that that I do still that I've done since I was a new Christian serving God that I don't ever like graduate from. You know how some people like to graduate and get promoted and all this kind of stuff. Well, even even your boss at your job, if they got promoted, if everybody quit tomorrow, they'd have to go back to licking envelopes or whatever was necessary to do when they first started. And so I've learned how to stay in touch with my beginnings. Amen. And, and you know, I never move too far from that and not try to get big headed about uh, what God God is doing using us in his kingdom because everything that we do is important to him it's necessary so there's no small jobs big jobs there are no small people or big people in God's kingdom we are really all the same I know people don't believe that because we're always looking for we tend to look in a carnal way at spiritual things you know we think that because, say, for instance, somebody who has a multi-million dollar ministry, we tend to look at those people are more valuable than the person who goes and feeds the homeless. But really, they're working for the same Lord. And so they're all equally valuable. So there's there's no sense killing yourself to aspire to something you think is higher or has more value or something like that because it's all important to God. You got me? I can tell you one of the most valuable ministries is that of prayer. Not because we pray, but because I know the impact of prayer where you might have a minister that has a a mega church in this city, but they try to go to another city and create it and fall flat on their face. And see a person of prayer can go in and pray and allow that to happen for them. You got me? Because they understand how to get the work of God done. And so when you are devoted to prayer, you're going to have to live with certain things that don't look like they're important or don't look like they're valuable to God. You're going to have to look at, you're going to have to learn how to live with things like that. You're going to have to learn how to live with small numbers where you think this place ought to be filled up by now and the numbers are still small. But you got to look at what you're called to do. And if you're devoted to prayer, you're successful if you continue doing the prayer. What the enemy would love was for people to get so discouraged they quit praying. And many have. Trust me, there are so many people come in and out of this ministry that were so committed and, and then they, they get discouraged because, you know, what it is is the, the gimmies get them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Give me this God, give me that God. And then they let the devil mess their heads up with why is it taking so long for me to get what I want? And then they get mad at somebody who prophesied to them to, that they were going to receive it because they haven't gotten it. 
And so their heart gets hard and their love turns cold where they really did sincerely love God and lived in the joy of it. But they let the enemy steal it from them. So now they don't come to service. They don't pray. They don't do any of the things that they're called to do because they've been deceived by the enemy. You got me? And so if you can continue on in the things of God, that makes you important to him because you have longevity with God. You got me? The the Bible talks about he who endures to the end will be saved. It's the endurance factor with God. It's not the come in and and, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. God sent me here. I'm going to do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent us all here. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We all felt like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stay here another five or ten years and see how you feel then. You understand? And that's not putting, casting any shade on anybody. But I'm just telling you that endurance means something to God. Because you've, you've weathered the storm. You've been tested many times. You've weathered that test of can you tough it out and still be joyful, still be encouraged, still serve God after many trials and slings and arrows and the devil's tried to steal it and lied to you and lied on you and tried to hurt you through the saints and all that kind of nonsense. Can you still get up every morning being joyful and serving God? That means something. That's why we we are impressed when we see people who have been married for 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. Because commitment and longevity mean something. God would not say those who endure to the end shall be saved if he didn't mean it, if that weren't important to him. Endurance means that you set your face like a flint and got determined to tough it out no matter how hard it got and to do it with joy and without bitterness and without anger and without malice and without all the trappings that the enemy wants to put on you. You've endured those things. And so understand that what's important to God. You got me? I'm not trying to pat anybody on the back, but I'm not trying to discourage anybody either. But I've, I've done this long enough to observe some things. And I observe the same snare over and over and over again gets people. And that is, I haven't gotten what I want, and I'm ticked off about it. And God, I'm not going to come no more. I'm not going to pray no more. I'm not going to do this anymore because you failed me. And see, that's why we pray for prodigals to repent and come back to God. Because they're deceived. I mean, what can you say? You think you can talk them out of being deceived? It probably took years to get them in that corner. You understand what I'm saying? And so that's God's business to retrieve his people. But we pray for them and, and we make room for them to return if they want to come back. Now, many times people don't return because it takes a lot of humility to go and face people that you know you betrayed. When they leave here, they talk about me. They talk about you. They talk about this ministry. They run down everybody. So don't be so quick to go run after them, kiss them, and make them your friend again. Learn how to have some dignity about yourself. Let God choose your friends. Amen. Yeah, that's a problem with a lot of people. They think they know better than God. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, when they talk about me, they talk about you. And they'll talk about me to you, and you'll engage them thinking they mad at me. I didn't mean to go there, but grow up. Let's grow up, folks. Let's, you know, understand who you belong to, what you're supposed to be doing. Be about doing that. Don't waste your time with people who have ceased loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They'd be around you sucking love off you. (laughs) You'd be bone dry messing around with people who have long since walked away from that confidence that they had in God. Amen. And so you have to let these things play out. You got to trust God enough to let him handle his own people. Amen. You're not the handler. Amen. You need to learn how to keep yourself together. Amen. 
If you know like I know, you be doing everything you can to keep yourself on the right track. Lord, lead me not into temptation. <laughs> Deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Amen. So we have to walk circumspectly. What that means is look around and make sure you're surrounded by his glory and people who carry his glory. And you're not trying to hang on to people just because you you like them. Amen. (laughs) Sometimes we like the wrong things. Okay. So even if we do not know the situations we're going to be involved in, we can be confident knowing that we will know what to do because we're already armed. So you're armed for and equipped for the things God has ordained for you to do, not for what he's ordained for somebody else to do. What I'm ordained to do may be different from you. What your neighbors are ordained to do may be different. Amen. There are some things that you as a believer can offer to people. You can offer prayer. You can offer a prayer cloth. Amen. If you can't get to them, you can offer uh, encouragement. You can offer, you can get cards out of the the bookstore and, and offer an encouraging scripture to somebody. You know, those things encourage people. And then the word is always appropriate. Amen. So God has already armed you. You can go into a situation not knowing what to say, how to pray or anything. You don't have to rehearse it in your mind to say, well, when I go in there, I'm going to say so and so and so and so. You may not have to say anything. No, you just may need to do a show up and then they'll do all the talking. And then when God tells you to move in and offer prayer or whatever, then you step in. But you are fully equipped to do every good work. There is nothing lacking in us. We have the goods. We just need to learn how to use them. The biggest thing is trusting God. Amen. God, if you save me and you put me here in this place, then you know where you want to use me and I'm available. It's about all you can do. If days go by and nothing happens, you're still available. There may be some times where back to back to back several days, God will use you and make yourself available. But just always be available and understand that you are on call by God to do whatever his will is for you to do. Stop worrying about who might not like it. If you say something wrong, God has already said, I cover you. Amen. Our mouth is like the pen of a ready writer. Amen. So you have to understand that there are certain things true about you in the Holy Ghost. If God says to, to, if he told the disciples, go wait in the city of Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high, and then you'll be my witnesses. Well, you've been endued with power from on high. So you have the power to witness. And what does a witness do? A witness testifies. Of what? What they've seen. What did you see Jesus do for you? You saw him save you. You saw him heal you. You saw him heal family members. Amen. You saw him heal people at the altar. These these are the things that we testify. If you look at the disciples when they wrote the um, the gospels, most of them addressed somebody in that letter they were writing to. And they said, these things we have seen and we have touched in and we have heard. So they were the first witnesses of the works of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And we are witnesses today. We're the same type of witness. The things that we have seen and know, that's what we testify of. The more things you experience in God that are legitimate answers to prayer, the more you have to testify of. Amen. And so you can tell people, even if you haven't seen it personally, if you've seen it in the word, you can tell people what God's word says, you know, that he will heal you, that you are healed. He wants you well. So why don't we pray? 
And we'll ask God to make that real to you. Ask him to take this pain away and, and whatever and whatever. Keep it simple. Keep it short. Don't try to recite every scripture you know to people. Amen. There's enough people out here with needs. Why don't you go check that out? Thanks, Tom. There are enough people out here with needs that we don't have to fight over them. You got me? And so when we go somewhere, if you, you know, if you're with a friend or you're, you're talking to somebody and, uh, you don't have to fight over who's going to say the next thing. You just allow that person to finish. If you don't say anything, don't say anything. You know, just pray under your breath or silently or in the Holy Ghost or however you want to do it. But understand that God has equipped us all to do what we are called to do. There is something you can share about Christ with everybody. I don't care if you were just saved a minute ago. That's what the, the disciples would do. They would go and they would give their testimony. There are some people who have built a whole ministry on their testimony. And ministries that are large and reach a lot of people. All because they are doing, they know that they're equipped and they know that God has given them what they need so that they can be effective for him. If people don't want you to pray for them, you just tell them, okay, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. I just was wondering if you might be able to use prayer, you know, that kind of thing. And just be polite about it. Don't force yourself. Don't be antagonistic. Amen. But allow them to express themselves so that they can get the understanding that somebody cares about them. Amen. Sometimes, you know, people will keep you entangled for a while just talking and you know pretty soon you wonder can i get this over with let's pray i'm gonna go but you know god gives you patience too to lean into so that you can endure there are some people who say few words and some people who are just waiting for somebody that they can open up to and so those things are totally appropriate to do uh you know you don't want to share things beyond what god wants you to share you understand me? Don't don't try to say, oh, I know how you feel and, you know, that kind of thing. But allow people to talk and then offer to pray for them. Always offer a remedy uh, for what what is uh, what is in their lives. So so God says, I cover you. Don't worry about who might not like it. Don't worry about what's going on. Uh, don't worry about any of that. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Father, we pray for that situation. We thank you, Lord, to help Tone and and Howard work it out according to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. So the author also talks about self-government. says, if we govern what's on the inside of us, anything that comes out is going to be on time. Amen. It's going to be appropriate. It's going to be the right thing to do. Uh, there are some people who are, are um, they're, they're, they kind of stand out to me um, in the way that they witness to and approach people. And uh, I always say they, they have an appropriateness about them because they're, they're not going too fast. They're not going too slow. They seem to be able to have a, a word fitly spoken. And that takes skill in God. You know, it takes timing. It takes uh, understanding and discipline, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Many times we may want to say more than what God wants us to say. And he helps us. You know, he'll forgive you. He'll he'll uh, help you. But but that that thing about being appropriate, the Bible says words fitly spoken are like apples of gold. Amen. And so we want to we want to always be that. And so it's good to ask God, God, give me a word in season to somebody. Give me the right word to say the fitly spoken word uh, so that that I can speak appropriately. Many times the anointing will do most of the talking for us because the anointing really is what opens people up to want to speak 
or to want to respond or to want to share uh, what it is that that is on their hearts to share what's on their minds. Um, don't trivialize people's situations. When I say that, don't say, oh, that's nothing for God to do. You know, don't insult people by by trivializing uh, or something people say a lot. I know just how you feel. No, you don't. So and you don't have to in order to be effective. That's more of a soulish response than it is a spiritual one. You may, may think you know how they feel, but only they know how they feel. You got me? And and so and you don't have to know how they feel to be able to minister to them. It can be something that's totally foreign to you. But the Holy Spirit will always if you depend on the Holy Spirit and not yourself, you'll always have the appropriate response. So govern what's on the inside of you. Amen. Trust God that he will will fill your mouth with words. Sometimes, you know, you'll start speaking and, and you don't even know how you got over on that conversation you know you'll start talking about one thing and then it's almost like your tongue gets flipped over and you start talking along another different vein with people i know that happens to me sometimes uh you know just but just come to have confidence in god amen Uh, don't try to have every answer to everything but let people know that you can always go to god to get the answer amen that's what you want to do you glorify him when you allow it to be his answer that comes to people amen so we will know when to speak and when not to speak because we are led by the holy spirit and he will not fail us amen he will not fail you we are one body as end time warriors we need to understand what the body of christ needs we are fully equipped and we lack nothing warriors must understand church government also not just self-government the church really has two operations the spiritual side of ministry where the gifts are in operation and then governmental or administrative side that keeps discipline and order within the church both parts work together and we have to know how to respect all of it some people don't understand the value of church government but it plays a vital role a good example of this is the early church found in acts chapter 6 where the apostles chose faithful men to oversee the distribution of food to the widows without proper church government there will be chaos and people's needs will not be met that is why governmental authority has to work in the natural as well as the spiritual so there are many things that the church is called to do that takes natural response amen and there are some things that churches decide that they want to participate in you know that may not be god mandated but it's in the word that we are to do these things for instance feeding the poor and and making sure that god's household is taken care of first you know the household of faith teaching people uh, how to use their faith that's a spiritual aspect of church government the other aspect of it is is the things that their faith will bring about and that's the natural aspect of it everybody wants to be self-sufficient nobody wants to depend on another human being for anything and that comes from god so god wants us to learn how to use our faith so that we will be able to receive the things that he has for us so when you when there are certain things that we're expected to do that will exercise our faith we have to be willing to do those and not fight everything you know because it's easy to say well i don't have that and that's not for me and uh you know it got to be something on the menu you like you know or just try it and see if it might help your life a little bit you know sometimes we have to be a little more open-minded than we are because there will be many things new things that god will have ex- us experience uh because his his kingdom is always revealing itself to us there are fresh and new things about god's kingdom all the time many times we get stuck at a certain level of obedience to god uh and and it's good to break yourself out of those molds and not go back amen just not go back uh when you decide to leave one level 
of giving and move to a higher level. Many times people will give at a higher level for a season, then run back and get to what's comfortable and familiar. Amen. And so you have to fight. See, that's part of your spiritual discipline to fight that comfort level that you used to live at because God is wanting to do more for you and he's wanting you to move on to greater things in him. I remember when I told the Lord, I said, I'm not going to give less than a certain amount of money to anybody ever anymore. And that's because I don't want less than that coming into my hand. You understand what I'm saying? Or you will get less. There's no point in expecting more when you're not doing more. And the measure you give, it's given to you. Amen. You can expect more when you give more. Now, many people tell themselves that they're satisfied at the level they're at, but they're lying. Because your spirit man always wants to glorify God and show you that you can do more. Your spirit man is always in the mode to accomplish, overcome, subdue, get victory over your flesh. So your spirit man wants to exercise himself. He wants to use his faith. He wants to do more. And we have to cooperate with him because he knows what he's doing. He knows you don't like staying at a certain level in your income forever. So he will will stretch you to get out of that and to consistently give at a level where you can expect without condemnation, fear, or anything bugging you, you can expect more. Amen? If you don't give more, it's hard to expect more because it works both ways. How will you ever get the faith for more if you want to stay at the same level but yet you expect God to give you more. You're not really expecting more. You're just scared of moving off your comfort zone. Uh, oh, if I do more than this, what's going to happen over here? What's going to happen over there? You might be short for a season. You understand what I'm saying? God may may put you through that kind of test to make sure you're willing to let go of that level in order to move on to something greater. Amen. You should want something greater. Amen. You should want to have to work less and receive more. Amen. So, so there are ways. It's like uh, yesterday I got a call from, from my investment guy. You know, he said, hi. I said, what you want? I said, I know what you want. You want to explain to me about the stock market. Look, I got a TV. I got a phone. I got everything. I know what's going. Yeah, I knew you weren't going to be upset and excited. I said, no, I'm upset and excited, but I ain't telling you about it. (laughs) I'm telling God about it. (laughs) But, you know, they get a lot of stuff from, from their clients because nobody wants their money to go down. But it's part of the cycle of the natural order of things. But see, I got a better backup plan. I know how to petition God for what I need. Uh, you know, I'm not going to be calling him up and like he can do something about it, you know. So anyway, I said in the same, in the same day, my statement came in the mail. I said, if I'd have known, if I'd see this before I talked to him, I'd have really blasted him. I messed my opportunity. <laughs> but you you have to understand the cycle of things. But I know God's prepared for me way in advance of this. You understand what I'm saying? So these ups and downs that, that the world goes through don't bug me. You got me? They do not bug me. So, you know, and I'm not going to go get a job at my age. And as long as I've been serving God without worrying about working, I'm not, I'm not planning to be absent from nothing. You understand me? We just keep on going like we've been going and we keep doing like we've been doing. Amen. <laughs> I said, I was looking at, I said, Oh, money must be plentiful because, uh, I keep getting these 
letters from credit card you know credit card people you got already nobody nobody's offering new people nothing but you know some of they say oh you can get so and so much money for zero percent for 12 months i said good i'll take it i take everyone i can just to have a money for 12 months and don't have to pay them nothing huh mm-hmm. right <laughs> that's what i think about the world system okay you know, it's for me to take advantage of it if I want to. Amen. If it help me out, it'll help me out. So, but, but you have to understand that you're not tied to the world system. That's what God's trying to get us off of. And so when you give and, and you make up your mind that you're going to live at a certain level, you can't go back on it. You, you know, you've already talked yourself out on the ledge. Why don't you go out there and see if your faith will hold you up? Just stay out there and see if your faith will really hold. If it don't, you can always run back in there. All chickens run back in when they get scared. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of silly what we do. And, and I really need to move off of that level onto something else to a higher level you got me because if i'm thinking about increasing and god does increase us over and over again it's good to keep your uh, level your giving level increasing all the time forget about taking care of yourself you've never taken care of yourself anyway from the time you you cracked open the 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 womb and and you know I don't mean that like that but, but from the time you birthed you got birthed out here as uh, Henry Groover says my wife she said he she tells me when I tell people I delivered uh, six of our children thirteen children he said of course my wife corrects me henry you never did anything she said i delivered them and you caught them so (laughs) (laughs) but we haven't taken care of ourselves one day parents did it when you first got here god's been doing it behind the scenes ever since so you know you're not taking care of yourself you just think you are you know what what we wind up with is the fear and the pressure and the worry of what it means to have to take care of yourself let that go because god's taking care of you he always has and he always will and the more we depend on him and lean on him and lean into his system the better life will be for us the less stressful the more carefree god does not want you worrying about anything amen that's why he put us in the realm of the spirit to live we live off of the fruit of the spirit we don't live off of what's going on in the natural. Huh? God forbid we have to live out the ups and the downs. All these people fighting or stabbing each other in Sam's Club over toilet paper. Really? But that's where the carnal, that's where the world is, folks. People in the world are fearful. They're deranged. They lack they they're always thinking about who can give me something so i can make it that's the world and see when you come and you live in the kingdom and you're not worried about stuff then the devil wants to provoke you through them huh they want to pick at you and say well you mean to tell me oh don't give me that prayer stuff well i won't give it to you i keep it all myself but you're welcome to pray if you want huh god will god will help anybody if they ask so the 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 in first corinthians fourteen forty talks about the governmental order in the church that things should be done decently and in order now who keeps the order in church the pastor does Come on now. We're talking about a natural representative of things. Yeah, we can say the Holy Ghost, but he's going to work through one person. Amen. He's not going to work through a whole bunch of people at one time. Religious people often misuse this verse to try and shut down the work of the Holy Spirit. If that leader is spirit led, 
then they will respond appropriately to the Holy Spirit. If they're not led by the Holy Spirit, leave. You want to be in a place where, where God is glorified and the Holy Spirit is able to work, teach through that person, minister to people at the altar. If they never have an altar call, leave. Huh? Some of them you want to leave if they do. There's so many shenanigans going on up there. You know what I'm saying? I've seen all kind of crazy stuff going on. I don't even want to talk about most of it. You understand what I'm saying? It's just like, where do they get this stuff from? Most of it is some old tradition that they've seen. Ignorance because they won't read the word for themselves. Lack of experience because they won't go where God tells them so they can experience some of the things that he has for them to learn. Amen. All of those things work into the confusion that you will sometimes see. And then oftentimes people will not let the Holy Spirit work because they want to keep control over the meeting. Control is very important to some people. Amen. Especially religious people. If they can't, you see how they did with Jesus. They always want to, who gave you authority to do this? And where'd you learn that from? And how'd you get this? And how'd you get that? And so the religious always want to, in their heads, figure out what's going on. The Holy Spirit always puts them into confusion. Because, you know, the Holy Spirit does not um, answer and explain to religious devils. He's not subject to them. Amen. And you be wise not to do it either. Got me? Amen. So there are people who go around and pray on people. They look and see who looks vulnerable. The devil knows who's vulnerable. Got me? And he knows who who he wants to pick on who might not have the courage to just refuse. Amen. Somebody come up to you in, in the conference or in a meeting somewhere and says, uh, "Can and they let me pray for you. God's got a word. No, thank you. And just keep saying, no, thank you. And keep saying, no, thank you. Amen. Just refuse it. But see, many times people are curious. I want to see if they got something from I want to. <laughs> don't ever look like that in a meeting, okay? <clears throat> I don't know what that looks like, but slap it off yourself. Amen. So you won't get picked on and, and get drawn away. Because false prophecy causes to is to lure you into a different realm of thinking. Put ideas in your head. And then you think it's God and you don't want to fight it and you don't want to. You understand what I'm saying? Always be willing to say, God, if this isn't you, take it away from me. Amen. Just don't let me receive this. Whatever. I don't know. Always go home and pray about it. You know, many times it'll come as an answer to, to a question you have already so that it fits right in. Amen. But always pray about it and see what God wants you to do in order to see that thing come to pass. Amen. So it's just good. Many times when people prophesy to you god will have them uh gain your have your spirit man trust the holy spirit by revealing to you certain things about yourself not that nobody else knows but they have a ring on the inside of you a familiar ring on the inside of you it speaks to something that your spirit man knows about himself and that kind of puts you at ease so you can it, it see because the, the, the wisdom that's from above through prophecy or whatever is, first of all, it's peaceable. It doesn't intrude upon your and it doesn't wait to see how you react to it before it feeds you more. You got me? So protect your spirit. You don't have to get mad at people. You don't have to get, let Miss Nola get mad at them, okay? Because those devils, they will recoil. They, they buck up and want to fight you. Because they're so, they've been, their stuff has been working everywhere they've been. And when they get to a place where it doesn't work, yeah, they're angry. Amen? 
and and they'll get outrageous and outlandish and all of that but you know let somebody who's experienced in dealing with those things uh deal with them beyond you don't have to fight nobody you don't have to put your do-rag on and your shades on and all that kind of stuff go looking for them in the parking lot you know you don't have to go like that amen (laughs) you may want to (laughs) but it's really not necessary amen We've had people come in here intoxicated, all kind of crazy stuff. There's, there's nothing too low for the devil to do. He'll do anything. So, you know, you don't have to be nice to a devil, but you don't have to get outrageous with him either. Just refuse. Say, no, no, thank you. Mm-mm, no, thanks. Well, well, what, well, no, uh, no, thank you. I said, no, thank you. Amen. Just decline and keep it moving. Just keep walking. Amen. But decently in an order means according to God's mandate and order. If he puts someone in charge of that meeting, let them control the meeting. Even if you think certain things should have been done that weren't done and the preaching wasn't supposed to be, just let them control their meeting. Amen? That ain't your meeting. Amen? So hold yourself in proper position. If it's too far off, don't go back anymore. Amen. It says, for instance, even if you see things going wrong, it is not always your job to fix it or correct it. Even though you may be a watchman and a warrior. If God speaks to you concerning those things, please take care of it in your prayer time. Take it to God. Sometimes it's just for discernment and growth. You'll see some meetings, you think, man, it's going to be a long one if this keeps up. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, you know, sometimes they are long meetings. They're long and torturous because they, you know, hey, you know, what, let me see if I can sneak out of here. Let me see if I can get a break, <laughs> have a short bladder or something like that and keep it moving. You know, don't ever get separated from your purse, your Bible and your books. Because then you got to go back in and get them and leave again. So keep all your grip with you. <laughs> Amen. So always, you can always take it up with God in prayer. Many times you will see many things that are a little bit erroneous or a lot erroneous. And, you know, people make mistakes. And, you know, trust me, if it's in our meeting uh, I've already made note of it. It won't happen again. You got me? So so it's, you know, you don't have to come and tell me you thought so-and-so was this or that or whatever. But, you know, I mean, we can talk about things. It's not a big deal to me. But, uh, you know, I don't miss much. And if it's something that's forgivable and, you know, they've been 90% on the ball so far and this is just one slip, we can forgive them and, and just don't lead them down that road again. Amen. So we have a big job, but it's an easy job because God has already gone before us. He has already called us to do these things. So he has ordered these things and put them into motion. So really, you're just stepping into your part. God's already got it going on. Decently and in order. What does that mean? It means knowing how to follow the head of the church it does not mean to try and take over. Amen. It's no emergency. Many of these things are not emergency situations. They are just things that are um, slip ups, errors, mistakes, whatever you want to call them. We all make mistakes. Uh, sometimes people will get overzealous about things and and uh, but, you know, just pray and, and hopefully that person will get back on track. So prayer helps them to correct themselves when they've made error don't quench the holy ghost you have to let things flow and let god tell you what to do because natural intervention is not always the answer we need spiritual intervention all the time when we do this the natural will line up with what the spiritual is doing amen many times we'll think leaders are are um you know, making mistakes. And so it's real common. Leaders get more criticism from the people they lead because people are a little nervous about following. 
Amen. They want to see some, hear some, get real comfortable. But you have to learn how to follow by faith, just like the leader is leading by faith. Amen. If we take faith out of the picture, we don't go anywhere. So there may be times when the leader has to step out and do some unusual and unique things. But you have to trust God. Well, this won't hurt me anything to, you know, do this or or go this extra place or do this extra thing, Lord, outside of what we usually do. So let me just obey you and see what it leads to. And usually it's not a problem. You know, the people who are in leadership don't create problems for people. We try to simplify things and and try to keep things in a uh, an atmosphere of the way God wants them to be. Amen. We we just have to do that. God told Hezekiah the same thing in Second Kings twenty. Abraham set his house in order. Genesis eighteen nineteen. So did Noah. Hebrews eleven seven. They rule their household and keep the atmosphere in their homes conducive to what God was going to tell them to do. It was a way of life for them. God wants us to have a peaceful household always. The Bible says he has called us to peace always. That's why, you know, if it, the Bible says if an unbeliever wants to depart, let them go. Then say kick them out. Then say make it hard for them. Doesn't say, tell them you ain't as spiritual as me, so go. Don't mean lock yourself in one room and they're in another room. But there may be times where if if a spouse is not saved yet, that they just don't want to be saved. They're not called to be saved. And so if they want to go, let them go. It just means that the church is not committed to try and fight for reconciliation. But if they're a believer and they want to go, you got to fight for reconciliation. It's like this back in the day. Old Harry uh, had seven kids with Blanche. And Harry started drinking the money away and, and wanted to leave the household. But Harry had been to the altar and gave his heart to Christ. So the deacons of the church would come down and talk to old Harry. Harry, you can't go nowhere. What Blanche going to do with all these kids? You're going to have to stay here, brother. Why don't you let us pray for you? Find out the root of this problem. Let us pray for you. And you and Blanche learn how to live together. We'll help you. You got me? That's not letting them depart because they're a believer. They're in deception and wanting to throw away what God is doing for them. So you make every attempt as the church. To solve that and bring reconciliation and hopefully bring peace. Amen. And just allow the Holy Spirit to mend hearts, uh, keep families together. See, 30 years down the line, when Harry's too old to get up and go for bed all the time and drink up everything, he'll wish he had kept his family with him. So you don't want to look down the road and see regret for that person. You want to try and intervene in the now so that you can bring peace and reconciliation. So and God will will cause that person to depart if they're not going to be peaceful with you, if they're going to want to fight all the time and tear up everything. God will 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 remedy that. But he has called us to peace. Never underestimate the power that peace can bring to settle down an unruly spouse. If you walk yourself in peace, if you don't keep agitating and keep telling them how bad they are and, you know, they they wrecked your life and, you know, they taken all your good years and now I got gray hair sitting up here looking at you and you ain't never been no right kind of, you know what I'm saying. You don't spill all that, you know, you forgive and you let God cleanse you and take that out of you. Then you can walk in peace and be a loving and a peaceful person. Amen. Sometimes all you need to is do is go and love one more time. And that'll break the devil's power over that person. Amen. You just, you know, you think you're at the end of the rope and you can't put up with it anymore. And God says, just go try love one more time. Amen. Just one more time. Try love. If it don't break, then try love again. Always one more time. We're going to try love. Amen. 
So God is expecting the same from us to keep our natural houses in order as well as our spiritual houses. He's expecting end time people to keep everything in order because we carry the anointing. You won't be as anointed with strife, contention, disharmony, disappointment, all of that. You won't be as anointed as if you carried the fruit of the spirit in your spirit at all times and and release that everywhere you go. You can learn a lot from these people in the Bible because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we need to, number one, learn how to first pray for our household needs. Pray for the salvation of everybody in your household. And don't get faint. Don't ever think that they won't conform to what God says they're going to do. God will do it for us if we pray and if we walk in love. You know, sometimes you'll get angry at people because you get tired of the same repeat, (laughs) repeat offenders over and over again. Amen. You know, you want to throw the book at people and say, why can't you just get this straight? Amen. Do we have to keep going here over and over again? But, you know, in love, you realize, God, hey, listen. I'm a rough cut myself and maybe I'm I'm in this with them because I need to learn how to go a little bit deeper myself. Amen. I don't care what it is. You know, love will never fail you. It will always prevail and it will always help. It will always cause people to um, to make changes. You know, it'll cause you to make changes. You'll find that you got a whole lot more love in you than you've been given. Huh? Cause some people that you live with, you gotta go deep. Amen? You can't live on the superficial and get God's work done. Amen? And you don't have time to play crazy religious games with people, you know? Well, if I let them go downhill and just don't say nothing to them, don't try to, maybe they'll learn. You know, you a poor teacher. You ever see a, a teacher want to try and fail somebody to teach them a lesson? Just just saying, okay. Let's do our test, all right? Praise God. Amen. So we're done. Praise the Lord.